like limping Spencer Petros coming over here for Iowa. He's on the other side of the My field. man, I think is maybe going to play, which people are acting like they're excited that Iowa gets their quarterback back, like he's going to like unlock the mystery that is As if offense. that's a good thing for us. <laughs> yeah, I mean. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Okay, welcome back to the Wheel Route Podcast, everyone. This here is my legitimate conversation amongst friends and lovers. Talk about and lifestyle. Uh, you can find us on the internet at www.thewheelroute.com. We're at the Wheel Route on Twitter. Wheel Route Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. And then you can get the show from your garden variety podcast uh, aggregator apps and whatnot. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google at large, Stitcher, etc. My name is Logan Whitehouse. I am on Twitter at Logan on the Don. Come to you guys from Stewart, Florida. Spent the day in Boca Raton, Florida. A little standing desk action today. I'll have you guys know. Looking down at all the sitters in the office. Sitters or quitters, you know what we say. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, listen. The beat, move, the beat moves on. Happy hump day. Let's, let's get it. Who else is here? My name is Jordan Shank. I am in Harrisonburg, Virginia, uh, where it's the, the temperature is trending upward a little bit, getting potentially uh, an unseasonably warm end of the week here, uh, which is fine. Fine with me. Um, I'm also on Twitter.com, at Shank Jordan, where saw a lot of uh, Spotify wrapped posts, uh, saw a lot of fretting when people were not able to post them immediately as they mm. expected. Um, so yeah, I, I like, I, I think it's interesting social experiment to, to go through how people handle those. Um, I like the opportunity to maybe pick up some new bands, pick up some new jams. Um, but I also don't feel obligated to share mine at all. <laughs> like no interest you, you know, some some intimate things are meant to be kept intimate. Yeah. It's just the way it is. That's fine. I, I, I agree with that, Jordan. I do kind of hate the people who, like, make a big point to say how little they care. It's like, well, I mean, you're out here tweeting about it. So, right. obviously, you know, I don't care so hard. That, that I will tell you, you I know. don't care. Yeah, it's fine. I, like, you know, I, I, I like to see what people are into. I like yeah. to see what people that I think have good taste in music have been listening to as well. Shout out to my cousin, Jack. Did he, be, did he betray your faith? No, 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 he's got good taste in music. So I like oh, to see okay. what he's been listening to. Got it, got it, you know got what I'm saying? Cause yeah, I thought you, the, I, I misunderstood. I thought you were saying yeah. like, I enjoy seeing people that I thought had good taste in music and being horrified at what the true, their true selves were. Right. Also, Alan Zedeker, I've got some questions for you. Uh, number one, Champagne Poppy. Number two, Taylor Swift. That is a dramatic, a dramatic change from one to two. Hey, I've been I, there. I mean, I like the energy. I mean, that sounds sounds familiar. To be honest, but also, uh, you know, just just there is no there, that's a big shift. I like, listen, it. people like variety. Five tool player sounds yeah. like. Jason, <clears throat> two weeks in a row. Let's hear it. I know. What, what you uh, got to say? I'm I'm excited to be here. I'm stretching my 
stretching my streak to three, I think, which is officially a streak. Um, I am also in Harrisonburg, Virginia, where it was, yeah, just, it was a, it was a balmy fall day today, which is perfectly acceptable. Fall has its place. Got a little rain as yeah, well. Yeah, a little Ooh, bit. Much was, needed. You know, exactly. It's a, it's, a, it's a delightful place right now. I'm not excited for it to dive back down early next week, but here yeah. we are. We've had uh, windows open, sleeping weather the past couple nights. Okay, I was parts. in the, I was in the middle of my speech, Logan. Love, love that. And you just just <laughs> decided to get up on your high horse. I don't, I don't know that you were in the middle. Um, what do you, what are we drinking tonight, fellas? Uh, well, it's picks night, so I've got grapefruit polar, <laughs> not not straying off off the well worn path. Smart. I have uh, America's oldest brewery, Ewingling. Ewingling. Love that. Um, I have the world's oldest brewery, uh, Jesus. He made water, and this is naturally essenced water. So uh, this is the Berry LaCroix. Okay. It's all what right. does naturally essenced mean? I guess the flavors are natural flavors. They weren't cooked up in a Petri dish. The, the word essence is really what should be called into questions there. That's what, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, the the yeah, natural yeah. part is totally fine. I don't like, I'm going to start referring making... to things as like, oh, this rice is delightfully essenced. Right. Like, I, I don't approve of, of <laughs> verbing the word essence. I'm not okay with that. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. The, the past tense essencing. I'm just essencing all around the town, you know, do what I do. Well, isn't that um, like in cocktail making when you es- – isn't that the like when they fold the uh... – the citrus above the glass, but they don't like dip it in. Is this ringing a bell? Oh, uh, so it like hits your nose, cocktail, but it doesn't hit your. It, it hits your nose, but it doesn't hit your. Uh, your I'll, I'll do like some that. digging. We'll do some essence I mean, research this week. Right. Okay. I like that. Thank you. Uh, we'll report back on that. Um, yeah. So how? I mean, we had a, we had a just a mammoth episode on Sunday. Is everybody feeling Monday? Monday. Sorry, everybody's come back down from that. We're feeling okay. I think so. And the the pace of things has slowed considerably since then too. I know. It was it was drinking out of a fire hydrant for a while, and I I, there was no way that pace could have kept up. But in some way, I kind of wanted to. It really was making the day go by. You know what I'm saying? You could set your watch by chaotic coaching moves. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, speaking of which, let's just get right to it. Well, there's only a handful here to touch on. Um, if you guys want to revise any of your takes from earlier, feel free. Um, I would like to go ahead and just, you know, promote Bronco Mendenhall to the hot seat just because I've been thinking about this and it's, it's time. It's time to be on the hot seat. We got to make some, we got to make some improvements here. I would I, love to I'm see. I'm fine with uh, calling it toasty. I wouldn't say hot yet. Um, I, I want to see am, some urgency. I want to see some urgency. Out yeah, of I am thoroughly disappointed that we have not seen any uh, press releases uh, describing changes being announced on the staff. Uh, what is that it? Is, what is Poindexter up to right now? What is he currently doing? Uh, he was co-DC at Penn State. Uh, there is naturally fretting amongst EVA uh, no. circles that he will be courted to Blacksburg um, with old Mr. Brent Pry. Um, I don't know that he makes that move. I don't know if James Franklin would offer him the full DC position. Um, I would love for him to come back to Charlottesville, but he's been on staff there before, and apparently that breakup 
uh, didn't go awesomely uh, when he left. So, um, Carlo. That wasn't Broncos staff, was it? No, he was on London staff. Um, and he left before the staff turnover happened okay. when Bronco came in. So, Hmm. Well, that would be nice. That would be some good, some good juice to the uh, to the UVA side of things. But uh, you mentioned Not it, Jordan on it. VPI uh, announced a head football coaching hire, Brent Pry, uh, defensive coordinator, at Penn State. Um, Penn State defensive coordinator is is quite the uh, quite the springboard the, the to jobs in the Commonwealth, right? Yeah. Isn't isn't that where old Mr. Ricky Ronnie came from, ODU's coach? I thought he was the OC. Was he not? Oh, was he the OC? Um, so, I could be completely wrong about that. One moment. Maybe it's the opposite. Uh, the opposite ODU move. Yeah, he was the he was the OC at Penn State. Got it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I kind of tend to give uh, Virginia Tech the benefit of the doubt on some of these things. I feel like it'll probably work out for him. He seems totally sensible on the way up. Seems to match the vibe that Virginia Tech football, I think, kind of craves uh, long term. So we'll see. He's got to recruit. Team's got to be good. They got to find a quarterback. He's got to do all the things that every other coach has to do to be successful. Um, but I mean, not like I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't flipping my desk because I was so upset that Brent Fry got hired by Virginia Tech. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I uh, like CBS gave again, would like to chat with their grade assigner on these, yes. but uh, they gave this a C plus. I would, I would put it at a solid B. Um, because I think he he is maybe more suited to understand like what's required of that position in that particular school, um, given that he does have some history there and he's got experience recruiting in the region at a, during his time at Penn State. Um, and he like we've talked about this, but he also has the benefit of because he's not a splash hire like the expectations right off the bat probably aren't going to be as high. Um, sure. So maybe he has a bit of a grace period to like grow into the job and like get, get a, get his feet underneath of him a little bit. So um, I think it could be really solid, but you know, like our friend Tom Fornelli says, I have no idea if it'll work out. Exactly. Jason, what's the what's the hot buzz in the Commonwealth? I think most people are like most reasonable people are are pretty okay with it. Um, I mean, I think we talked about it briefly. It felt like this was a year where there were like six blue blood jobs open, like like not just good jobs, but like top tier, top ten jobs, and um, there just weren't that many people weren't that many like good up and coming coaches to go around like your, you know, Justin Fuente coming out of Memphis or Scott Frost coming out of UCF or there's something like that. Florida pretty much snatched the one that everybody agreed on. Right. And from there, it was a bunch of guys trading places for $10 million contracts. And that was never on the table for Virginia tech. So once you cross off those two columns, you basically want somebody who's uh, had success and fits the culture and that seems to be what they got. So, yeah, I don't. I don't think he's not gonna. You know, absolutely can't miss win the press conference. But he's also he seems like a perfectly good hire. So, yeah, 
I'm also uh, interested. And they had a guy. They had a guy last go around that was absolutely can't miss win the press conference, and it ended in six years of aggravation for Virginia Tech fans. So, right. I'm also interested to see kind of how he builds his staff of assistants. Like, does he bring any amount of old timer former head coaches on board? Because this is his first big whistle job. Yep. Um, which for a program like Virginia Tech uh, is maybe a leap of faith and maybe like can definitely turn some people the wrong way just in terms of optics. Like we, we should not be a first time head coaching job for anybody. Right. I get that. Um, so be interested to see like, does he, does he get kind of a Jerry kill on staff like Fuente had or, or a thing of that nature? Or does he just go super young, super recruity, and and figure it out along the way? I'm trying to think. What did Kirby do? Did Kirby have any like super experienced? Uh, um, I'm trying to remember. He he had a. I mean, Mel, Mel Tucker was on his staff, right? But I mean, that he was a defensive coordinator at some point. And um, I don't know. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to, to remember how that went. I'm a little surprised that Dan Lanning, the Georgia DC, hasn't gotten more buzz for jobs. Maybe he doesn't want to be a head coach. I kind of figured he would be um, a hot commodity. I mean, there was even like his, his name had come up in like both Florida's like coach and DC, you know, discussions prior to the season. I mean, I think there's kind of the thought that anytime you work for one of these big DC guys, Saban, Kirby, things of that nature, you run their defense, right? You don't ultimately they probably get to have the archi- you know architectural uh um decisions so. for the defense. You might get to call plays, but you're gonna run their defense. And you know, I think some of these guys probably want a chance to maybe do it on their own. So um who knows? But uh all right, let's move it on. Uh we've got some other uh, I guess we'll move we'll move down to probably the hottest uh situation that was Notre Dame that was just announced prior to us starting the podcast so you know shout out to us for starting fashionably late that Marcus Freeman uh is being targeted to be the next uh permanent big whistle in South Bend uh I think Tommy Reese is planning to stay on as the OC as well Uh, that came out that came out like about an hour and a half ago so I'm guessing it was a series of hey this is gonna happen and you should stay in that uh, little chicken and the egg sort of thing would have loved Tommy Reese, SEC offensive coordinator. That would have been great. That would have been fine by me, but it's okay. Um, I mean, he's done, done a pretty good job there in Notre Dame, but uh, yeah, Marcus Freeman, head coach of Notre Dame. So uh, minority hire finally. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> but um, and at Notre think, Dame, not, not where you might expect to see it either. True, true. Um, I know there was a big deal when, uh, was it Willingham? Uh, was hired there like what was that three or four coaches ago and that did not go well and it it felt like one of those things that was almost uh, kind of icky to talk about so um, yeah shout out to Notre Dame for that and it did certainly seem that Marcus Freeman was in a really good position Um, Notre Dame a lot of people were saying Luke Fickle people were saying uh, Luke Fickle maybe would have been a really good fit at Notre Dame which would have opened up the um, Cincinnati head coaching position where Freeman just came from. So, or, you know, he could have stayed at Notre Dame as defensive coordinator. Three pretty, pretty much, you know, good jobs. So uh, Marcus Freeman in as head coach, you guys have any thoughts there? I know he's, 
they're recruiting really well. And I, I think a lot of that is due to Marcus Freeman's presence on the staff. So that can only be a good thing for Notre Dame from uh, Jimmy's and Joe's standpoint. Yeah, I, I'm really curious how much, because he clearly had the leverage here. Uh, LSU yes. was yes. offering <laughs> some some big bags for him to come down and take the, the DC position down there, allegedly. Um, so I wonder how much of this is like, yes, we a thousand percent believe you, you will succeed as the head coach here, or we just really want to keep you here. But the, the only way we can keep you here is to make you the head coach. Yes. So I, I have, I mean, I have a feeling that is part of it. That might not be like all of it, but that certainly has to play into this. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm like, again, we'll never know, but how, what, what's the balance of like, was he the, the clear candidate number one, or was it, we want to keep him and we will go this far to keep him. Um, So I hope he does well, you know, uh, also like don't want him to do too well because, because that impacts UVA in some direction, but um, yeah, good, good for him. It's that's a crazy little run of like positions he's had in the he last was, several years. Well, he was Fickle's DC last year, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Good for him. And I think LSU made a hot pursuit of him last year. Hmm. Sounds uh, right. And they were trying everything and, last year. Yeah. And <laughs> yes, yes, South yes, they were. Situation. That was. Uh, let's try to catch lightning in a bottle again at LSU. So, all right, we'll stay in Louisiana. Stay in Louisiana. Uh-huh. Uh, Louisiana Tech named Sonny Cumbie their head coach. That, Jason, that makes me feel old. I don't know if that makes you feel old, but yeah. uh, um, you know, NCAA football, football on the PlayStation Two. Great, Sonny Cumbie um, is the head coach of Louisiana Tech. Don't necessarily know how to grade the hire. He's ostensibly an air raid guy. Uh, I sh- I'm sure that. They will, um, you know, they'll get after it. Pitch, they'll pitch it all around the yard down there in wherever Louisiana that uh, school is. And finally, Joe Moorhead has accepted a position in Akron. I think I even kind of joked on the podcast last time we recorded, like, Joe Moorhead probably should get a big, bigger job than – it might have even been Akron. No, that there was, there like, was smoke when we yeah. recorded. Oh, okay, the okay. Yeah, about, about. So I'm, I'm a little surprised. I saw someone on Twitter made a joke that uh, – Joe Moorhead has done the thing that we all did where you take the worst possible team on NCAA and try to make a dynasty out of them. Like, so congrats to him for trying that in real life. But uh, Akron, um, though, in the Akron's defense, their mascot, the Zips, was probably my favorite one for the mascot mode when, yeah, when you can play true. mascot on mascot. It was a, it's a kangaroo, right? Yeah. 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 So that's cool. Um, yeah. I don't know what to think about this. I mean, he was the head coach of Mississippi State. It seemed like his star was kind of rising. And then it uh, things didn't go so well at Mississippi State. I don't think it was a great culture fit there. Mississippi State's made some interesting culture fit hires uh, yes. back to back to back now. Um, but that all said, uh, I, you know, I, if he's motivated, I think he should be able to have Akron up and running. They, I think I went to a bowl game that Akron was in like not that long ago. I think they played in the Boca Bowl. Actually. Oh, when the lane train was there. <laughs> yeah, I guess FAU. Yeah, that's where I got my lane train shirt. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so those are your your four moves that have been made uh, since we last recorded. Um, 
you guys have any revised takes you would need to get off or get out about uh, any, any other stuff? No, I don't think so. No, I think I think all four were fine. Yeah. Um, sitting by, waiting for, I mean, the, the next important set of moves is going to be now how all these new staffs come together with uh, coordinators and position coaches and whatnot. So And whatever happens to Oklahoma. Yes, yeah, Oklahoma still – do you, any of you guys have a sinking feeling that it's just going to be Bob Stoops, like like interim Bob Stoops, just like back in the mix for a couple of years, a couple just to kind years. of like Tied things establish down. things? Let's yeah. do it. I'm psyched. And then he can just promote whoever like his offensive coordinator is again. We'll just, we'll just run that back. I um, think I like your your mega Stoops idea. Oh, all the Stoops is together. Just all, it just right. sucks all for Mike. It, it, it sucks for Mike Stoops though, because I think he was the defensive coordinator there. It kind of got run out, so he's gonna have to be like the DB's coach, and then <laughs> we have to have Mark be the DC, and then Bob yeah. be the, the head coach. I don't, I don't know if there's any offensive coordinating Stoops running around out there. Maybe young Drake Stoops, uh, the wide receiver. Maybe he'll graduate, and he can, uh, he can just immediately go Tommy Reese style right into the OC role. Uh, That'd be, that would be really like the most dramatic and awesome sense of nepotism of all time. I would actually kind of really enjoy that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, quick. I don't care what any of you think. He's the OC. Quick, quick gut reaction guess. Who ta- who gets the Oklahoma job? Who is Oklahoma's head coach game one next year? Matt Campbell. Okay. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um I'm gonna say either Venables or Ooh, Lane. Ooh, yeah, there was a, a weird Twitter thing with Venables yesterday. Did you guys see that? With the wristwatch? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the best oh yeah, you already had it set, right? That was the was Allegedly. that one? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Venables, Lane, or Shane Beaver. Yeah, I I'm gonna wildly cheat and pick three people. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's fine. Um I am I'm going to guess Chip Kelly. I think they're going to panic and and pay for a big name because Ooh, Chip Kelly. Chip wow. Kelly and Norman would be fascinated. I like I don't think it's Lane because Lane if Lane doesn't like living in Mississippi, he's not going to like living in uh, Norman. This is true. Yeah. But Lane I, does love bags. He does love bags. I don't think it's Matt Campbell cuz I'm sticking to my theory that he wants to go to the NFL. He should just stay put for another year or two until the right NFL job comes open. Um, I think he could still do that and just go ahead and make like nine and a half million dollars a year from Oklahoma, though, and then still do the same thing. Maybe. Or Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett's another. <laughs> that would be. Can you imagine how terrible the reaction would be from Lincoln Riley to Jason Garrett? Also, you can tell these Oklahoma people have never had to do like a coaching search. Because oh, yeah. These people are taking this. This is hard for them. It's, they're panicking. You know, they're breaking yeah. down. Well, yeah. so there's there's also drama afoot. Oh, um, there, yeah. There's like compliance. There's recruiting and compliance drama afoot. Yeah. Basically, that um, one. There's the accusations that that Lincoln Riley has known for like three months that he's going to USC um, and like spent his bye week in LA and stuff like that. But that is that and is all wild. his half his recruiting classes from LA. Right, that is like wild. They they think he just like spent his entire year recruiting in California because he knew this was going to happen. Um, but that's Twitter speculation. But the reports are that basically 
uh, for the last few days, these assistant coaches that are still on staff at Oklahoma have been on recruiting trips, recruiting for USC. Um, and there's like recruit reports of like recruits saying like, oh yeah, he told me he was going to USC and wants me to come there and that sort of thing. And um, then the the official OU compliance account. I did, I did see that tweet. Just tweeted, well, I think it was the eyeballs emoji and the fire emoji and that's it. No, I and think it was so, eyeballs in 100 for some reason. That might be it. You're right. And so. So I'd like to have a chat with whoever's running that account. To see. We'll see. Yeah, I yeah. uh anytime the like the compliance department tweets <laughs> and tries to be like uh chesty, cheeky. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe not a good look. Maybe you guys should just stick to complying <laughs> and not stick tweeting. Um yeah, I mean that is that's a massive job and like I said that I mean they they hired Bob Stoops in 1999, I think, to be their head coach from Florida. He was Florida's defensive coordinator, went to be the head coach of Oklahoma and was the head coach at Oklahoma for a long time until Riley's been there, what, five or six five years, years now? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they've, well, what, they've has, had a very clear succession plan since yeah. 1999, which is, you know, pretty impressive. I think impressive. they said nobody, nobody, no coach has ever left Oklahoma or Notre Dame that hasn't been fired. Yeah, probably or retired. I read that right. Yeah. Uh, that sounds that sounds right. I don't think. I mean, and you know, Brian Kelly was at Notre Dame for eleven years. Like, I kind of get it. Like, maybe you just yeah. want to do something different and move on. But I mean, this is he did uh, get a he did get a he, shot in. He's like when he, in his introductory when he was like, "Yeah, I wanted to come play under the bright lights." <laughs> it's just like, dude, you were at Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever. There's no good way to do these no. things, and it is pretty icky because like. At the end of the day, these guys are just making like buku ridiculous money and kind of like have absolute free reign. And then, you know, the players, it's yeah, like we're talking about this, the CAA not letting about, JMU yeah. in the playoffs, right? Like the players are going to have to bear the brunt. And, you know, Always. and uh, I thought Michael Felder had some pretty interesting like uh, thoughts on like how we cover this. Like I know we kind of like definitely bend towards the like gleeful coverage of coaching moves and stuff because I think. It's very interesting and we like to just kind of like do it in abstract we like drama. But we like at games. the end of the day like there are players on teams that like whose lives are going to be affected by this now because yeah you're gonna have transfers coming in you're gonna have transfers going out you're gonna you know it, this is and then not to mention all the support staff that's going to turn over and that that's kind of like the stuff that sucks um and yeah i mean I full disclosure that's why i tend to like i i get quieter than normal when we talk about coaching sure. moves and stuff like that because i am in the business and and yeah it's a it's a an unpleasant but real side of the business yeah i mean these guys are basically nomads for a good portion yeah. of their life too so like you also can't hold it against someone for trying to do the best that they they can do did you guys see this uh <laughs> brian this story uh where uh was it robert sala and uh the coach of the Bears. Oh, yeah, were, Matt LaFleur when they were yeah, GAs. Matt LaFleur oh, GAs uh, yeah. Central Michigan. Fire up uh, chips. Yeah. Brian Kelly doesn't seem like he doesn't seem like the nicest guy. Maybe he will be a good fit in the SEC. I just well, there's also the the video assistant and there is also that. Yeah. And well, yeah. Yeah. 
college football. There's you, anyways. Don't look yeah. too hard. Don't look too yeah, hard. There's you're not gonna, just you're gonna run into body in yeah. this week. Unfortunately. Yep. Unfortunately. All right. Um, on that note, we'll keep it moving. Uh, any more portal news you guys want to report on? I saw Chris Vogel, Florida defensive end, entered the portal, four-star defensive end. He was good. I'm surprised to see that. He maybe is a Miami guy from what I can – if my crystal ball has him going to Miami. Uh, I, I did see him. Virginia backup quarterback Ira Armstead entered the portal. Uh, that makes sense to me. Yes. He, yes. he got jumped by Wolfolk. Um, so it, it seemed to be quite an amicable split. Gotcha. Um, any thoughts on where he is? He a guy that's like a FBS transfer kind of candidate, or is he? Yeah, I don't of, really know. know. Uh, is is Kurt Signetti making any calls, Jason, to to Charlottesville? <laughs> uh, I, I actually don't know what I'm allowed to talk about. So, <laughs> well, that's fair. We'll bleep it up. <laughs> There's a lot of transfers leaving Delaware. Yeah, uh, oh, okay. I saw, is it because New Hampshire's? They, New Hampshire's coach retired, right? The New Hampshire's coach retired. Um, uh, something. Oh, God, I need to know his first name. Uh, Sean. John McDonald? Sean? Steve. Does that sound right? I don't know. Yes, I'm not super plugged in on, on that neck of the woods. Um, I think it's Sean McDonald. Um. And they're they're leaving because Delaware fired Rocco. Oh. Um, and keep in mind, uh, Rocco was in the national semifinals this calendar year. Man, they played they play in the national semis in April. Cold the expectations world. are different in Delaware. People yeah. people are saying, yeah, yeah when when the Blue Hens that's what when it is. They wear those Michigan helmets. They they better be on par with Michigan. Yeah, and it's just not happening this year. Wolverine and Blue Hen, they look the same coming at you. Um, same ferocity. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, let's let's get to it. Uh, I think there are supposedly picks in the spreadsheet. I don't know. Are they? Are they up? Are they up above? Did I miss them, Jordan? Uh, they're they're in the spreadsheet. I didn't get to put them in notes. Oh, I'm sorry. You said spreadsheet. I said spreadsheet. I'm yep. looking at the notes. That's my bad. How about uh, you? Do you have the spreadsheet up? Yeah, I do. Let's jump right to it. It is championship Saturday coming up. So and Friday those, and Friday. Those are the games we're going to be going after. This is Logan's last chance to try to get a win before the end of the season. <laughs> before the playoff. Before the playoff. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, so we will start the conference championship weekend in Las Vegas, Nevada on Friday night at 8 mm-hmm. p.m. where the Pac-10, 11, 12 gets things kicked off. We've got an Oregon versus Utah rematch. Uh, Utah is listed at the ho- as the home team in Vegas. They are favored by two and a half points. Jason gets to begin. Hmm. I don't like this. Yeah. I think because it's two and a half, I'm going to take Utah. Um, I think I would feel weird about it being three. But... Um, Love a push. Yeah, we could yeah. go on a, on a hot streak two yeah, weeks in a two row. Two in a row. Um, yeah, for whatever reason, Oregon, I don't know, they don't. they seem a little bit off these last few weeks. 
Um, for for whatever reason, they they got blasted at Utah like two weeks ago. Um, and the hard to beat a good team twice is full of crap. So um, yeah, I don't I don't love the way Oregon looks. Um, I think Utah's coming in with something to prove. I like Utah's defense a lot. Um, so yeah, what is it that Utah is coming in to prove that they that it wasn't a fluke that they just absolutely hammered Oregon yeah. like two weeks ago? Okay. Yeah, 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 that they just blasted them. All right, I'm also going to take Utah. Uh, I yes. do like that it's only two and a half, like like you said, Jason. Um, I also am kind of banking on maybe uh, maybe some divided attention and energy from the coaching rooms in Oregon. Uh, I have no idea if Joe Moorhead is sticking around for this one or not, um, but there's also the mumblings about is Cristobal being targeted for a potential Miami opening, or maybe Oklahoma is starting to whisper in Cristobal's ear. Who knows? Mm. Um, but I'm sure, like, I'm sure things have not been quiet on his end or his agent's end. And if any of those are potentially appealing, then that that kind of yanks your attention away from a big game prep. So um, give me Utah. Uh, Kyle Whittingham, he, he's not being mentioned for any jobs. Like, he, this is this is all he's got in front of him. So go Utes. You know who Utah plays week one next year? Oregon? Florida. Florida. Oh, Florida. that's right. Florida. Yeah, it's going to be, that's going to be weird. Um, the Urban Meyer Bowl. You don't think, Jordan, that the the anti elevation boys thing is going to come into play here? Or no, Utah I didn't. Coming I mean, down, Las Utah Vegas coming down. Elevated. Well, how much? Let me check real quick. Not as much. Isn't as it like three thousand feet. Two thousand. Yeah. Oregon's like Eugene's only a couple hundred feet above sea level, so they're still making a climb. The ducks, the ducks don't <laughs> fly at that high of an altitude. Still making a climb. <laughs> Ugh. I'll take Oregon. Ultimately, they are more talented. You sound thrilled. I, I don't love this, but you know, I'm just trying to get some. I'm trying to get some action here. I, I can't be hurt anymore at this point. I I, did, I actually debated doing the Jordan method of just flipping a coin and just rolling with it. I spectacularly have not won in two weeks. Uh, well, there's still time to grab. Can anybody, so let's see, Jordan, you and I, games. You and I, if we go perfect, we'll finish a game above 500. Well, there's still there's still the playoff and the title. And the New Year's six to pick against. The oh, that's right. I was counting. Sorry, I knew there was six and one. I forgot the other six. So never mind. We got plenty of time. Yeah. Logan, yeah. you got anything else? Cannot Logan, finish other than talent. <laughs> I did not. No. Um, no. I mean, I, I just I think it's hard to do what I don't think like Utah's going to be able to reproduce what they did before. Now they don't need to reproduce what they did before to win and cover, but. I, uh, I don't know. I just think I think Oregon will be up to the challenge this time. It's going to be one of those, like, all right, you guys want to be the bully of the pack and, and everything else. Um, strong on the lines, yada, yada. Like, let's, let's actually see it happen this time. You, you got punched in the mouth last time. You, like, certainly you're not going to get punched in the mouth again. Um, I, I just think I'd like this to be a closer game. All right. We take it to Saturday now. We have one nooner that we are picking. It is Baylor and Oklahoma State. They will be playing the Big 12 championship in Arlington, Texas. 
where Oklahoma State is favored by five and a half. Uh, and I'm going to take Oklahoma State. I'm going to take them to ride the momentum of the big bedlam win. And I also think Baylor has some some injury concerns or or yeah, the quarterback is whispering that quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'll take Oklahoma State. Yes, there's the potential for kind of an emotional hangover letdown, uh, but I, I'm going to trust Gundy somehow to to get it done. Yeah, I, I'm going to take Oklahoma State here too. Their defense is fantastic. I think this should be a relatively low-scoring game, um, but I like Oklahoma yeah, State. Yeah, I think the over/under uh, was only like 46. Yeah. yeah. Riding, riding confidently. I believe Bohannon is going to practice this week, but I don't know that he's definitely going to play. So I'm sure there's going to be some rep splitting uh, going on. Not that there probably hasn't been a lot of that. Baylor seems like they've done a really good job of just kind of limping along with like completely unsettled quarterback uh, for a while. But uh, yeah, give me, give me Oklahoma State. I'll ride with the mullet. My spirit, my, my, uh, my, uh, you know, blood brother, Mike Gundy. He's 50 now. Your waterfall yeah. brother. Yeah. He's an old man. Um, I'm actually going to take Baylor. Um, Love it. I think they've, like you said, they've kind of demonstrated like they've made peace with the situation at quarterback. Uh, Bohannon's back all the better. Um, I, yeah, I, I see this as a distinct possibility that Oklahoma State feels like they crested the mountain and maybe take it easy a little bit uh, on Saturday. And I don't think you can do that with Baylor's offense as hamstrung as it might be. Um, so I'll take the Bears. Hey, All go right. Bears. Hey, go Bears. We now move to the 4 p.m. slot where we've got two games, the first of which is the SEC title game in Atlanta. We've got the dogs. We've got the tide. Master versus Padawan learner. <laughs> Georgia favored by six and a half in this one, and Logan will lead us off. Uh, I'm going to choose to not overthink this and take Georgia. I really desperately would love to see Georgia, and I'm not saying this as hater because, frankly, not a huge fan of either of these teams, but um, would love to see Georgia get like tested and see what happens like when their offense needs to produce, if that makes sense. Yeah. I just, I don't see a Avenue in which that happens. Uh, and if it doesn't happen against Alabama, I don't know who it's going to happen against also. So I just, maybe it's not going to happen this year and good for Georgia. They built the death star and it didn't blow up. So you that's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, you, you beat the game, but I, I would be very interested to see like, Alabama goes up seven in the third quarter and Georgia needs to put a drive together because maybe it's like defense is on their heels a little bit. I just can't see that happening. And therefore I'm going to take Georgia. Okay. Um, man. This team should not be rewarded for playing the worst quarterback also, which <laughs> like also just is just in my craw this whole year. Oh, is it? We have, we have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> He's got 2,000 yards and 21 touchdowns and five picks. But... 
Yeah, that's like four games of the Brennan Armstrong experience. It's true. Welcome, welcome to the big show. <laughs> Third string ACC. Third team, all ACC. Third, third team. Third string. Yeah. Some, somehow second in the ACC Offensive Player of the Year rankings. But the third, third best quarterback. All ACC. Yep. Gotta love conference teams. I'm going to take Alabama. Wow. Yeah. Yes. I, yes. I like it. I don't know that they win. I mean, obviously, Georgia has a better team. Um, but also, it is still true that Saban's never lost to an assistant, right? No, he lost to Jimbo this year. Oh, there was Jimbo. You're right. Okay, that was the first one. All right, let's draw. It happened like three weeks ago, but no, you're right. Other than three weeks ago, yes. Well, yeah, that's it true. was not three. It was like a month and a half ago. Yeah, it feels like three weeks. Three weeks in Saban time. Three weeks it in was, pandemic time, yeah. Hold on a second. I just want to make sure I'm not going crazy. It was October 10th. It was two and a half months ago. Almost two so months ago. That's a month sorry. and a half ago. Two and a, yeah, and sorry, a half almost ago. two months ago. All right, six weeks. We'll call it six. We'll call it, we'll call it six weeks. We'll compromise on this time is a pointless debate. Um, thanks for listening, listeners. Um, social construct. I also always genuinely forget that Jimbo was an assistant. Um, yeah, he's LSU era. He had those, yeah, those damn sunglasses on. They right. always show that picture of him in like the the, the yeah. white like the crazy Folkleys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyways, um, I I think George is the better team. I think the fact uh, I like that it's they're getting six and a half. I think Bama can keep it to one score. Um, I don't know that they can win, but uh, a full touchdown. Or almost a full touchdown seems too much. So, roll tide. Also, I just wanted to say roll tide. Hey, that more is, power to you. Frankly, is my best reason on there. So, yeah, I'm I'm gonna say Georgia here too. The fact that I can get them for less than a touchdown, oh, feels so good. Feels so so good. I I might take them so good up, say up to ten points. Um, the, like. I have a hard time believing that this Alabama offense, which has sputtered for the past couple of weeks for significant stretches of games. Um, like, yeah, are you talking about the 42 they dropped on Arkansas or the 59 they dropped on New Mexico State? Yeah, both of them. Okay. Uh, 59 against New Mexico State. <laughs> like, you're going to tell me that Bill O'Brien is all of a sudden just going to like catch a heater against this Georgia defense? He's auditioning for jobs. More a hey, he's not more, doing a good job. He's yeah. not doing a good job of that. He's yeah. he's doing a great job of putting up a smoke screen that he's not auditioning for these jobs. <laughs> um like this this doesn't feel like a recipe for success uh for Alabama. Just the like the parts don't match up um for me. And I think um like the past couple of weeks. Uh, like Nick Saban, we've we've said Nick Saban kind of seems like a little more uh, chipper in motive. Yeah. yeah, and like I think someone made the point, and it I really agree with it. It seems like he knows, like yeah, we're getting away with some stuff we shouldn't, and this is fun as hell. Like he he knows they're due to to maybe lay an egg and get their comeuppance at some point, um, and I feel like this is the week it happens. So. Uh, it's just the, the curve that they're graded on is so ridiculous. Like, yeah. ahead. Like, this is their comeuppance, is them losing yeah. their second game in the season. <laughs> finally, God finally they're hitting yeah. rock bottom yeah. with this 11 Yeah, that's not to say this, is, this is Alabama's version like... of a rebuild year. This is Alabama's young team. Like, that's what's scary. The thing that sticks out to me 
Jordan, sort of like what we were saying about like their lapses on offense, they don't have like the, the bell cow kind of running back that they can just tote the rock this year, which is interesting, even though they, they certainly have the dudes for it. They don't feature one. Maybe, maybe they don't block that well. I mean, maybe yeah, I they're think, just like, not I think blocking they're maybe that well. line. Yeah. The issues yeah. are, the issues but are like, in the trenches. A, That's a, where additionally Alabama, like the past six iterations of Alabama that we've seen has featured like absurd, like they, they build their offensive attack around skill players, like particularly receivers. And this year's team, just like, they just don't have three first round draft pick receivers on their team at this given moment. And that's just different than it was the last two. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's different than it was the last two years. I mean, if you have Bryce Young on this team and you have Waddle and Ruggs, and Devonta Smith, then I, I think it's a lot different of an outcome just because those guys are all individually so good. Yep. And I mean, Mechie is good. And like, these guys are all highly recruited, but like you're saying, like, this is, you know, they, they also have to come along as well. And if their version of coming along is, uh, you know, squeak out some games and lose in the SEC championship game, that damn man must be nice. So <laughs> yeah, we'll see. That's why they play the games. That's famously why they play the games. Uh, they say, people are saying that that's why they play the games. Also in the 4 p.m. slot, uh, this is not a Power 5 conference per se, but it does feature a top four playoff team. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Houston at Cincinnati for that conference championship. Uh, Cincinnati home, true home favorite, 10.5 points. Um, Jason, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I'm going to take Houston. Um, there's like a, a percentage of this that is an emotional hedge because it just feels like like we're closer than ever to a non-P5 in the playoff, and it just feels like it, we're going to get it ripped away from us. But The dread is creeping in. Yeah, it's just it's coming. And But, I mean, first of all, if anybody's apt to cause a little mayhem, it's Dana Holgerson. Um, and Doug also, Bilk. Uh, Houston's defense looks really good. They are, Doug Belk. Like, Steaming them up. If you, if you guys in the hey, maybe good there's maybe there's up. Oklahoma's next head coach. There we go. Dana, put the, put the skullet out there. Um, Didn't he work at Oklahoma State? Maybe. That's where he came from. That's yeah, where he think, came from uh, before he went to West Virginia. He was the I OC. Think that's right. Yeah, he was the OC. Yeah. Um, that would be awesome. Yes, love, it would. Love love a good turncoat situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Houston. I don't know that Houston wins this game. I right, but. Um, they can keep it within ten. You can talk me into that real easily. Um, and and take the cover. They they look good recently, and Cincinnati has has certainly looked better in the last three weeks. Um, but they have. Uh, I you could you could talk me into a situation where Cincinnati like gets up, you know, ten or thirteen, and just like tries to just sit on it so they secure a win, like. Um, I think there's a lot of scenarios in which Houston keeps it to to ten or fewer points. Yeah, I mean Houston's game. eleven and one, and they yeah. lost their first game of the season. They just rattled off eleven straight yeah. points. They're really good. They're really good. That's you know that's so. not to uh, bring it bring it all things back, but I mean that's what Billy Napier and those boys did also. You know, lost that first game, just freaking Ooh. slap that slap Who's that into Billy overdrive. Napier? You'll know right. the name soon enough, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> The world <laughs> I'm old enough to remember the multiple ac- accusations of a frost warning in Gainesville. So, 
Oh man, what <laughs> that, a time that was! That was a that was a month. That was a fun. I month. loved that. I loved that for for all of us. That was great. <laughs> I love that you survived the frost warnings in Gainesville, Logan. <laughs> I mean, I, of course I've survived them. I survived Will Muschamp literally coaching the football team for four years and or two and a half dreadful years. I've survived losing to Georgia Southern without them attempting a forward pass at home. Just just triple option flex bone into death. It was just like flex bone you like into the grave. Just losing to freaking Turner Ashby High School with that stupid <laughs> offense, like rotating with a kid whose last name is Zahn playing quarterback. You know, I mean, it might as well have been, I mean, holy moly. Things got worse. Freaking Jim McElwain sat up there and told. I heard Jim McElwain at the press conference tell me that he could run his offense with his quarter with his dog, Shotzi, playing quarterback or something like that. I mean, things have been weird. Things have been weird. I've been tried. I think I'm better for it. I came out the other side, pardoned, maybe more of an a hole than usual. But you know, we're out here. Continue. This this side joke was has spiraled. Not to not to jump on George's pick. You gotta get get stuff out sometimes. It's healthy. (laughs) Um, let's hear it Jordan who you got brother uh, this is a tough one because Cincy does not need to play for style points here Um, they just need to win and it does not behoove them to try and play like they need to play their game but they don't need to like really press the issue or try and lay it on heavy Um, I However, we'll take Cincinnati and the home field advantage and the momentum. Um, yeah, good vibes. Let's let's ride with the cats. Um, Luke Fickle, maybe maybe in the opposite of the spirit I went against Oregon with. Luke Fickle is being mentioned for jobs, but he seems very much like I'm just blocking all that out. Let yep. let my agent handle it. I'm, I'm, I'm calling out the haters. Or he knows that Ryan Day is going to be the Chicago Bears head coach in six weeks, and he's going to take over at Ohio State. <laughs> there, I was going to say the biggest the biggest open one that he was being talked about just got filled tonight. So, right. Yep. So give me Desmond Ritter to really really spread his wings and fly, and uh, his long go, lanky wings. Go Cats. Jason, did you look at Houston's game scores? They've had a tremendous defense, except for randomly in the middle of the season, they gave up 37 to SMU yeah. and 42 to USF. What yeah, they had, a, they had like a weird... And then they, they got right back on the schneid, right back on it, you know? Yeah. They had, they had a weird little, like, month of... Well, that was like October, right? Yeah. Yeah. Six six weeks ago. And to be fair, I like guess SM, SMU's not a bad team. No, no, but USF no. is. Yeah, that, I'm more, one, that I'm, was I'm a little more concerned. More concerned. The, 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 the shootout with USF. Yeah. Hey, it was a road game. You're going to have one of those. You're going to have Friday one. night. Yep. Um, ugh. Trying to think here. I think I'll take Houston as well. I like Houston here. Defense playing well. Um, I, I I will take the opposite side of the coin of the Cincinnati doesn't need to win first style points. Uh, both these teams are really good. Should be a good game. 10 points seems like a big spread for two teams that are ultimately probably pretty evenly matched, to be honest, from a talent standpoint. So let's do it. All right. Uh, 8 p.m. We've got two more games, the first of which is the B1G Championship. This is played in Indianapolis and features the Michigan Wolverines and the Iowa Hawkeyes. A battle for the ages. How did Iowa just slide on their butt cheeks into this game? How did that happen? 
Just I feel like this has been a lot of skid marks along the way. This has been a a, a top notch year for Logan just being super angry at concepts. Dude, did you see that stat that came across the Twitter yeah. today about you sent it to us? I sent it to you guys. I was so <laughs> so triggered by it when I saw it. I had to share it with the only two people on earth that care. Uh, about my my personal predilections towards Iowa football, <laughs> based purely on style, yeah. and you know, I'm not. Emily, I'm not even Emily has wrong. no idea what we save her from. Just like yeah. the, the amount of you don't think Iowa. she does. You don't think Emily maybe has an inkling. No, I mean she probably gets a taste, but like it's like the. Did you guys see the the SNL skit? I think oh, I showed it to to you and Emily Logan. There's an SNL skit recently, The Man Park. Oh yeah, that was, oh, that was really well done. It's like you have to find friends so you don't just shotgun information. I just come home and it's just a torrent. You know, Vin Diesel has a twin brother. <laughs> he just fires. That's what that's what this podcast is. Our listeners, I don't even know if they're still listening, but that's what this is. So that yeah, just, Emily just keeps her pool. sanity. Yep. All right. So back to Indianapolis. Indeed. We've got the Wolverines favored by ten and a half against Kirk Ferentz and them boys. Um, I, I mean, this is terrible. This, this this game could be over in an hour and 15 minutes, um, which would be fine. Michael Felder would just be just rock solid on that for sure. So torqued (laughs) for, for an hour, clean hour 15. Um, I worry about, uh, Michigan emotional hangover. I worry about Iowa kind of like playing the type of defense that like goes up against a team that wants to run the ball like that that feels like those parts match up um but i also think michigan maybe does enough through the air that they can like keep keep iowa scrambling a little bit so i'll take michigan here against my better judgment it's 10 and a half yeah Oh man, that hooks a lot. Hook. And these two teams did not play already, did they? Correct. Gross. Um, I'll take Michigan as well. I think they'll. I think they will get a late cover here, kind of pull away. I th- this is Michigan does play right into the hands of Iowa, like stylistically so i mean this could be a rock fight and a punt fest and you know it's going to come down to the fourth quarter i do feel like michigan has got it together enough on offense that they can do more than one thing um they certainly know what they want to do and that is run the ball and sort of dominate on the ground like that and and control the line of scrimmage and all of those things that we hear about Um, establish it yeah they, they like to establish it but uh I think their quarterback is better than their average, you know, transfer dimwit quarterback that they have playing at Michigan for the past couple of years. So I think that this is, uh, this is, you know, so aggressive. Certainly 100% better than no shade to Joe Milton. Well, I mean, you're ready for some shade. The literal dimwit, like limping Spencer Petros coming over here for Iowa. He's on the other side of the My man, I think, is maybe going to play, which people are acting like they're excited that Iowa gets their quarterback back. Like he's going to. Like unlock the mystery that is as if offense. that's a good thing for us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so anyhow, I mean, uh, this this has the makings of of a tough watch. I think Michigan will score enough points 
to cover at the end, but it, it might be like a, a late turnover or something like that. If Michigan gets a little cute, though, and throws the ball too much, this could be one of those situations where Iowa does what they did at the beginning of the year when they were like 6-0 and and they had a zillion turnovers because somehow – they get well, they more used deflections. all their turnover luck. That's kind yeah. of the yes, yes. They have they get more like the thesis I'm operating. Linebackers just get paws on balls and and like you know they get more tip drill interceptions than any team I saw at the beginning of the year. And I mean that that is certainly a recipe to uh, to to you know upset Vegas. So uh, regrettably, I'll go with Michigan and just hope this one ends fast. Uh. Yeah, I'm completely on the other side. I think this line is way too big. Um, I love that it, it gave me the extra half. That's just very heartwarming. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be a hideous game of football. Um, and that benefits Iowa immensely. Um, I don't know if they win, but it, it would be a hell of a run for Michigan to out of nowhere in back-to-back weeks, like, put the paws on Ohio state and then run away from Iowa. That seems odd to me. Um, and this, this seems yeah. like a, a game primed for some Harbaugh face. So um, just utterly baffled at what he's watching. So just leaning forward on the sideline. Yeah, just really like squinting chaw. and um, yeah. Give me and Iowa for milk. sure. A chaw and some milk. Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> well, I, will, I will say like Iowa, they struggled with Nebraska for a good chunk of last week. Now, sure. to their credit, they came back and won. But the fact that you have trouble with Nebraska uh, gives me oh, cause. Nebraska's feisty. Sure, but they like they, not to the point where like they should be downtrodden enough by week thirteen. We're just like, okay, we're like that. We we get it. <laughs> we we know the shtick. It's not going to affect us. Um, but it affected Iowa, so. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I'll, I'll put did, this on. Did Petrus play? You're talking about the you're talking about the greatest three and nine game team in college football history, Jordan. Right, and like I I mean no disrespect to Scott Frost and those boys, but uh, you know, results are results. There was uh, frost warning. I heard there was frost warning. Daily in Nebraska. People are saying. Sure. Um, okay, let's close it out in Charlotte with the ACC championship game that does not feature Clemson this year. It does feature the first multiple-time Coastal Division winning Pittsburgh Panthers. That's right. They are the first team to win more than one Coastal Division title That's since the inception crazy. of the Coastal and Atlantic. Uh, this is oh. a Coastal that includes Miami. Yeah, this, the Socialist Coastal, coastal Division. Right. Um just it. redistributing the championships all about. <laughs> Joe Biden's America. Uh, <laughs> not, re- not rewarding success on the trail. Yeah, America's got to learn how to work, I tell you. Um, Pitt, Wake Forest, 8 p.m. Panthers are favored by three. Logan gets the start. Oh. Oh, give me Wake. Let's go. Let's get weird. Like Wake. Have some fun. Weird mesh point. Um I don't know. Pitt seems down to give up some points. I, I'm not really like. I mean, Wake is 100 percent down to give up some points, but they, they they can they can go get it too. I think this this uh, this could be fun. This is going to be the opposite of the B1G game, um, and true. this should be fun. Hopefully, it's not like raining sideways or something. Uh, 
which is always on the table in Charlotte. But uh, yeah, the Queen City. Yeah, go Deeks. Um, I'm going to take Pitt. Uh, I think their defense is slightly better, and I think their offense is slightly better. Um, and I, I do think there's a case to be made that this will be a bit of a shootout. Uh, I see the over/under set at 71 and a half at the moment, and mm. I think Delicious. I think Pitt, Pitt benefits from a shootout more than Wake does. So, all right, I'm going to take Pitt as well. Uh, having watched both of these teams play against the University of Virginia, I was more impressed with Pittsburgh's defense than Wake's. Uh, also, inclement weather, if that should arise, uh, Pitt's quarterback wears two gloves all the he time. He does. He does. Uh, I did notice Which it. is the That's lamest a, thing ever. A big um, downgrade in, in that. Yet department. somehow they voted him first team all ACC. Old Teddy two gloves situation. Old, old two gloves wearing Kenny Pickett, um, and then and then Sam Hartman's got a, a haircut for the ages. Really, uh, Logan, if you want some mullet inspo, uh, this guy, this guy has an interesting interpretation of things. Um, so, is it as good as uh, Coastal's quarterback, Mr. Grayson McCall? Because his is luscious. Well, good is an inter- is is a you know, okay. Okay, I, I see. I see. It's what an we're interesting going. word choice, like you said, inspo. Got it. Yeah, it it looks like he did the work himself, uh, maybe on a whim, um, but maybe that's the look he's going for. I don't know what the youths are about these days, uh, but yeah, I'll take Pitt uh, again. Wait, this is I, Sam Hartman. I have more issues with more trust issues with Pitt than uh, with Wake's defense than I do Pitt's. You're telling me that Hartman has crazy hair? Yeah, he did as of last week. Okay. Like, I'm just saying he and these photos on Google Images, this dude. Oh yeah, um, he's a he's a handsome he is devil. A stud. He's, he's, this is a handsome. This is a handsome fellow. Jason. He's a handsome boy, and he's Google got this man right a here. Thick head Google of Sam hair. Hardman, and just check this out. Preseason, because I mean, wow. I mean, he looks. I mean, Wake Forest is the feeder program for the Bachelor Oof. franchise, and he looks primed. He looks like Jimmy. It's it's, it's, it's it's the stubble that makes the difference. He's got a strong jawline. Just the jawline and the perfectly cut stubble. But the flow is elite. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty nice. All right. Yeah, no, it's changed. <laughs> we uh, should change the topic. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah, so I, Bye, I, all this to say, I am taking Pitt. I'm getting, messages. I'm getting messages from the uh, the social media intern. She's loving hearing my side of this conversation. So this is, <laughs> this is excellent. Things are going well. Uh, cool. All right. Well, <laughs> championship weekend. Uh, didn't see the Sun Belt Championship game on there, Jordan. Well, would you like to fill us in, uh, Logan? I'm pretty sure that uh, Billy Napier and the boys are taking on App State. Uh, is he coaching so in that game? Yes. Yeah. Oh, good for him. App State favored by three. It's, Logan, you know who that. else stayed behind to coach their team's last game of the year before they made made the trip east? Herman Boone. Bronco Mendenhall did. So I don't know how how that makes you feel, but uh, I mean, I feel I feel good. I feel like uh, at at this point, they, whatever is going to happen in the Birmingham Bowl or whatever god awful bowl game, Florida's going to end up in probably playing like Clemson. You're gonna get we're gonna get like a Clemson Florida matchup in like the TaxSlayer dot com bowl on like December twenty first. But 
yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think I think we're doing I think we're doing okay. I, I am exceedingly interested to see how the staff shakes out though, because Florida's entire staff is on the road recruiting right now. So it would appear that some of these folks are gonna stay on. Um, I think Christian Robinson may be a good candidate to stay on. I think uh tight ends coach uh what's his last name? Brewer. I forget his first name at this point. Uh is uh, Tim. Brewster, Brewster, hello, Tim Brewster uh, is likely to stay on at this point, uh, a noted recruiting guy. So maybe look at those guys on, move on. I don't really need anyone else to stay on necessarily, but uh, yeah, we'll see. This is the season for prognosticating, getting lies off. Miami still has not fired Manny Diaz. Um, they get that, that situation is been very somebody fluid. somebody just pulled out of uh the miami ad was it gino toretta because gino toretta got rumored to be the next miami ad like legitimately yeah so oh, yeah, i saw you sent the yeah, you sent that. about the italian yeah <laughs> he's, he's a beautiful italian man <laughs> um yeah i mean i i don't know like this the situation seems like miami I think thought they were going to get out ahead of this and like get an AD and try to yeah. get things under control. And this is turned into a Miami situation. They really Miami did. Yeah. Yeah. So. They're do. This is like rivaling the Tennessee search of years ago. Well, I mean, and they still have a coach that they're like now talking about maybe, I mean, at a certain point, like if you're going to fire him now, what are you going to, who are you going to go get? You know, you're I mean, you better, after you better really Sunday? hope that crystal ball or Lane Kiffin, is 100% down. And I know Lane is probably down if he gets the offer, but I think they want Cristobal because of, because it's Miami and they, they think that they need, you know, they need a guy yeah. from Miami. And maybe Miami doesn't need to do that anymore. I feel like they've tried that a couple times. Well, at least this this whole Manny situation just was not was not great. And I don't know if, if Mark Rick like, thought they needed to hire Manny and they thought Manny was ready. He was not. And, um, but at the end of the day, like when they, they went eight, nine or eight, eight or nine games this year. I mean, it wasn't like at the end of the day, they didn't have a terrible Field game. Goal but away from beating UVA too. Yeah. yeah it's terrible a, it's year. an awkward spot because it's they not certainly like have a, a quarterback. It's not a slam dunk firing because yeah, yeah, the future looks brighter than it did at the start of the season. Now it is troubling that their defense has been so bad and their tack like, organization has been so bad and Manny Diaz is, you know, Mr. Defensive Coordinator guy, right? So that's been weird. But I think like if you do recruiting composites, Miami's got like the thirteenth most talented roster in the country. And and they won what seven or eight games in year three of the Manny Diaz experience. Not not great. Not going great. So anyhow. All right. Any final words, boys? I I would just say that I hope Everyone who plays this weekend has fun. That's the important part. Except for Spencer Petras, no fun. Yeah. Um, Hope I'll he has also a point day, out a fallacious day. I'll also point out that the the Dukes are in action at two p.m. on Saturday. Oh, taking mm-hmm. on Sila. SLU. Yep. I think it used to be Silu, and then they dropped the E, so now it's just SLU. But isn't it still Southeast Louisiana? Southeastern Louisiana. Okay, they just they're counting Southeastern as one word. Yeah, not two. To be, yeah, to be fair, it is one word, but yeah, but I mean, it's one letter, yeah. You don't abbreviate southeast with s because south is also s. <laughs> Just saying. Fair. <laughs> <laughs>
Anyways, do you know Southeastern Louisiana's mascot? The running crawdads. The crawdads. Road runners? That'd be awesome if they're the crawdads. They are not the road runners. They are the Southeastern Louisiana Lions. Oh, lame. Boo. Southeastern Louisiana, they should be like the horseshoe crabs. Yeah, they got to get a little bit more local. The Delta Boys. Oh, that would be tight. The The Southeastern Louisiana Delta Boys. (laughs) Yeah. The Lady Delta Boys. Have your logo just be a triangle. (laughs) The Lady Delta Boys are taking on. All right, let's get out of there. Two PM kickoff, JMU. Number three students taking on CBS Sports Network. Regional Sports Network. Espen Plus. Oh. ESPN controls all broadcasts of NCAA playoffs in any sport. I'll be watching it legally. Wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) So weird. I'll make sure to, I'll be running the socials. Jordan, you should go. Oh, yeah. I'll see if my uh, press pass got accepted. I don't control credentials for football. I do have two tickets you can have if you want. Hmm, there's an idea. Now we're talking. All right. Do they Thanks give me the hospitality us. tent to, to maybe make a scene? Absolutely do not. But for $10, oh. you can get in yourself. It's oh, only $10? $10? Yeah, $10. Unlimited pre-game attendees? Hospi- That's the pregame hospitality tent. That's not the club. Oh. What do they have at the pregame hospitality tent? Changes every game. I've never been. Tendies? I believe tendies occasionally make the rotation. Hot dogs? Probably. I what did I stutter when I said I have no idea? <laughs> well, you said it rotates. It wasn't like are we talking like Applebee's? No. Like it's 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 Aramark. It's the same it's as every other. It's got like a vat of riblets. <laughs> just unlimited riblets. Unlimited Appies in the Applebee's hospitality said. <laughs> Jordan get, Jordan's all torn up off of uh, one dollar Long Island riblets uh, from the Applebee's hospitality tent. I'm gone off the blue curse now. <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting arrested, arrested. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. Well, should we get right into it? Are we recording? Yeah. Don't even have to read us in. Let's, Let's just do it. No, no reading in. No reading in. This is bonus content you guys are getting. Pew, pew, the- pew. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jason is not with us. I don't think Jason would have wanted to be with us during this this time. But um, Jason broke the, did break the news, at least he to did. me. Um, so <laughs> shouts to shouts to Scooper Extraordinaire, Cricky, just staying on that tweet deck. Uh, but uh, University of Virginia, just just mere hours after Logan said he was ready to go into next year with Bronco on the hot seat, uh, uh, announced that Bronco Mendenhall is resigning as the head coach. Yeah, um, surprising, way out of left field. Definitely, I was thinking we were heading to some sort of a pre-last year of a, of, of a coaching tenure situation in which we do like, uh, take some shots, fire, hire some coordinators, see if we can mix it up a little bit. Um, we don't know if maybe that was something that was requested, but regardless, uh, no longer the coach. We did get sort of a weird hostage video from Bronco. He was in his Who, office. He was in his office, but in, in a very Bronco Mendenhall way. Uh, I guess explained um, that this was his decision. I guess maybe we're taking him at his word on that. Um, and seemed, did he allude to maybe some some personal life stuff? It was kind of hard to get a grasp on. It seemed like he just wanted to take some time away from coaching. And hey, sure, why not? Yeah. So I I actually found the whole like 
40 minute call on YouTube and watched okay. it. Uh, not to brag, but I, I do my research. Um, Atta boy. And the sense I got was that he, at this point in time, doesn't feel like he can give like the amount of energy to this role, this job that sure. it requires, that his players require, that the staff requires. And um, so his his framing of it was like, I am doing this in order to be a better version of myself for whatever my next responsibility is. And it's not like, oh, I'm, right. I'm just sick and tired of this. And like right. I'm done. I'm I'm calling it quits. So do you think that that is Bronco Mendenhall code for I'm sick and tired of this? You know what I'm saying? Like I I Bronco is a very unique Lone Ranger in the yeah. in the in the scheme of it certainly is in the scheme of like football coaches, right? I mean, all these guys are maniacs. They're football coaches, but he seems to certainly like have his own way of talking and have his own way of like spiritualizing things almost. And you know what I'm saying? Like he's just kind of a, uh, uh, I don't know, the dude abides within him, you know, at all times it would appear. And I mean, this, this is very on brand for how the end of his tenure probably was going to go unless he like took UVA to untold heights and they were like perennial top 10 program and he retired on top. Right. But that, I don't think that was probably ever in the cards for UVA. So yeah. Um, I, I, that's why, and that's why I ask is, is this maybe would, would that be, his yeah, no, way I, of tactfully saying like saying it without eh, saying it it got a little hot and maybe some things here aren't going great and you know maybe it does make sense to kind of move on right now while there's also a whole lot of other outside change going on in the great, greater scheme of college football as well who knows yeah yeah no i i i think the cynic in me like maybe doesn't want to take him at his word and still wonders like were were some changes on the staff requested of him and he just yeah. put his foot down and said i'm not going to do that um the the way he talked about it throughout the call and the way he described the decision making process and kind of what he alleges motivates this choice makes me think it's it's a genuine like i i'm sure. doing this for me and for my family and for like he talked, he talked a lot about, and this is kind of like, like you said, he is a very different dude, but he talked a lot about, you know, the impact he'll make after this period of recharge, refreshing, and how he wants that to be bigger than, you know, whatever it was at UVA or BYU. And he doesn't know yeah. if that's going to even be football or not. Um, so sure. I, like, I, I think I'm taking him at his word for now. Now, like stuff could come out where it's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. But if if he's putting up smoke and lying about why he's going, he did a really good job of it. Like, I mean, he was at recruiting today. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I mean, there's no reason not to take him at his word. Um, <clears throat> in my opinion, I mean, it's not like he's. Uh, I mean, I get it. I, I guess I just say, like, I kind of get it. Uh, I texted my, my folks when I heard, and my dad immediately was like, oh, you know, not terribly surprising, actually. Like, probably was staring down the barrel of needing to make a lot of defensive changes and kind of stuck 
sort of mediocrity and maybe you see someone who you feel like you want to be peers with Virginia Tech in state rival um, maybe making some changes and you know maybe maybe that all is a kind of comes together to uh, to force your hand a little bit there and then also maybe you were asked to fire your defensive coordinator someone that's been on your staff for 15 years and and you know someone who you probably feel he his his staff certainly feels a sense of brotherhood yeah throughout the staff they're very familial in how they do things and whatnot so i could see you know i could see that maybe not being the reason but being a reason right yeah that could that, it could all come together to uh culminate in and him calling it calling it quits. Yeah, and I I was a little surprised that that didn't get asked at all in the call um because sure. it it's almost one of those things where it's like, well what's like this guy's only around for one more game. What's he going to do? Be mad at you up until the bowl game and like not not give you sources right. for your stories for the next couple of weeks? Like, come on. Like, let's let's do some investigative journalism. Um Yeah. Right. But he he did mention like you know, how strong the bond was amongst the staff and, like, how he – that's one of the reasons he's not taking this lightly is because he knows it impacts those families and those kids. And, like, um, when they all made the trip out here, like, there were articles written about how some of them, like, lived lived in campers on the land that, like, is ultimately Bronco and his wife's house now. But, like, right. while houses were getting figured out – they kind of were like it was very community living amongst the sure. those folks. So yeah, it, again, kind the of a different, contingent. a different yeah. college football situation the most. Certainly, and I think too, then that that lends some credence to. I think it is a little easy to. Uh, I mean, certainly the guy had enough and wanted to get out of there. Whatever, um, but like definitely marches to the beat of his own drum. Has always kind of done that. Sort of sold his move to Virginia as that yep. also time for a new challenge time for something different you know i think byu probably is and, and was home for him um seems certainly devout in his faith so mm -hmm. uh yeah so anyhow all right so that's done um certainly surprising i remember yep. where i was i remember sitting on my couch at our townhouse in virginia beach when i read the tweet it's going to be like virginia had done a great job of keeping that coaching search buttoned up mm -hmm. when london I don't think I, I don't know who scooped it if it was Feldman or, or someone scooped it like 30 minutes before the press conference but that was like the first time Bronco Mendenhall's name had been, had oh, been yeah. uttered uh, in you know conjunction with the job so uh, different AD to go around Carla Williams from Georgia yep uh, is has been the AD at UVA for how many years now Handful. several let's call it uh, but not three? the entire not, not okay, the entire yeah. she didn't hire mendenhall but she came right. i think the year after perhaps i see so um yeah so jordan let's hear it what are your thoughts what do you want to see out of the next uva football coach yeah i i think personally like my my christmas list would be somebody who has a proven track record of some sort in in a head coaching role in an organization leading role um yeah. i personally would not prefer to see somebody find their footing as a head coach at uva um that that's just less 
it's it makes it more difficult for me to like feel confident about the prospects of success if it's somebody's okay. first shot. So would like to see somebody with that type of track record. Would like to see somebody who understands the importance of regional recruiting. Um, like I think Bronco was much more focused on we we want guys who fit what we're trying to do and we will look everywhere for them. Um, Mike London, the previous head coach, really focused on regional recruiting, probably to the detriment of roster management. So I think yeah. you need to find some sort of balance there, um, especially because Virginia Tech's head coach is going to be like, he's very focused on in-state recruiting, regional recruiting, knows how that goes given his time at Penn State. Um, and then- Can I can I jump in on that yeah. real quick? Just, just ask a question. Do you not think that that is a bit of a like meaningless bit? Like the, the idea that like, to me, the cynic in me would say, and I want to be cynical about these things, but like, sure. well, no, you're going to try to recruit locally, right? Like, I mean, that, that makes a million percent uh, sense. And mm -hmm. there's, I, I don't, you know, to me, it seems empty where you like these guys come in and say, we want to recruit locally or like the Florida coach is going to get up there and beat his chest and say, we want to put a fence around the state of Florida. You know, just like <laughs> things like that. They're just like, to me, it's just kind of a meaningless trope because like, obviously you're going to do it. I, I, I suppose Bronco and co maybe didn't do it as much, but no one's ever going to get up there and say like, we're going to find the right guys and we are not going to try to attract kids from Virginia to go to the university of Virginia. Right. I mean, that's, I don't know. It, it's, it's a raw to me. It's sort of just a, I would say it's, it's more um, pep rally than it is substance. Yeah, no. And I can certainly see that point, but I think there were specific, like the, a couple of years ago when I was still like kind of closely following recruiting somewhat from wow. UVA's perspective, which glad, glad I'm on the other side of that. <laughs> but, like there, there were stories about like, Oh, there would be an in-state prospect who, you know, probably should have gotten an offer, but didn't because they didn't like, they didn't meet the height requirement for the position room that they were in. And it would have been okay. a really good, like would have really been a good fit, been a good idea probably to make that offer. But I also think from from a community engagement uh, standpoint, like in terms of building support for your program, um, fans-wise, like they yeah. they like watching kids that they know something about play play oh, for course. the local team. So there's some of well, that. Well, I there think as well. I think Virginia operates from a from a, frankly from just being honest from. They are not the favorite school. You said on the podcast the other day, like it would appear that most of the high schools in Virginia would probably be really willing to send kids to Virginia Tech if Virginia Tech was, because Virginia Tech is seen as probably a better opportunity for football. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and there's definitely some truth to that and there's some substance to it too. But, um, you know, I, I'm with you on the community engagement optics thing. Like there is no reason that UVA couldn't be with Virginia Tech as far as like popularity and stuff. And I know how winning and um, culture and everything kind of plays into that, but. Right. Yeah. And so I think, I think I would like to see that emphasis on recruiting for those reasons. Okay. I also think whoever the next big whistle is going to be like, has to be somebody who I don't want to say salesman, but like it, they got to start pulling 
money out of donors' pockets. It's like, time for Bobby Wilder to make his return, baby. We've been talking like, about it for years. No, facilities I gotcha. is is an area where UVA has a lot of ground to make up. They've got a great plan on paper that they cannot fund at the moment. Um, yes, pandemic threw a wrench into that, but I also think there's just kind of a general like apathy of yep. UVA sports fans in general where they want to see results before they put their money behind it. Whereas sure. football doesn't work that way. I yeah. Football think. doesn't I mean, work that way. Yeah. Basketball didn't work that way. It took a mega donor building a new basketball yeah. arena for, but the basketball you do have program. a state of the art. I'm still a state of the art cathedral for basketball on campus. And I mean, I'm not saying that's the reason your team has been good, but that doesn't hurt. Yeah. Well, and it, it was a huge factor in getting, the current head coach to come across the country and take that job. Like right. one of one of the big selling points for Tony Bennett was the facilities that were in place here. So um, right. you can't you can't make a football facility pop up off the ground in time for this coaching search. Obviously they do have an indoor facility though, right? There is they do an have an indoor practice. facility and they're like slowly progressing on some renovations of other kind of complete okay. athletics, but like the big the big ticket items still need some big checks to show up. Like a for football performance complex place or yes. whatever, like a lot of places I haven't got it. Um, all right, before we get to names, what do you think are realistic um, expectations for UVA football? Because this is something that kind of gets thrown in UVA fans' face a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, and I I get it. And I think I, I'd like to think I have ultimately realistic expectations. I was tweeting back and forth last week with, friend of the podcast, Travis, Travis Johnson. Um, you know, I, I, he asked he kind of just posed the question, like, should Bronco be on the hot seat? And I was like, well, the realistic person in me says probably not because I don't really see UVA like definitely doing better. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think they could do better. Sure. sure thing. But yeah, it, yeah I don't, I mean, I, you were definitely going to do better than how Mike London's like the, the team was doing with Mike London at the helm. Right. Yes. Like you needed some organization and a little bit of know-how and you were going to get better, but um, with, uh, with Bronco, like, I'm not sure. I mean, he, he came from a fairly unique situation at BYU. That was one of the reasons we were kind of excited about it was, you know, the u- unique, uh, religious affiliations and things of that nature at BYU that made recruiting kind of a challenge. We're like, all right, this could be cool. Like maybe he could, maybe he could find a way at UVA. Uh, I don't really think the recruiting has gone that great for him. It, it might've kicked up a touch or maybe the floor came up a little bit, but it didn't really seem like. UVA was sticking with any game-breaking type players, right? I mean, yeah. you, you get lucky to get a Bryce Perkins in the program on a transfer, frankly. Um, you know, maybe you you you, you did... A, he's done a pretty good job of having quarterbacks, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I mean, in his time, he's had, UVA's had some better quarterbacks than London did, and who knows if that's a recruiting thing or if that's a luck thing, right? Like, that's, right. that's also how it goes with some of these coaches. But um, I guess I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on like expectations for UVA. Should we expect a eight and four team, a seven and five team, like occasionally win the coastal and, and, you know, pat ourselves on the back and, or, I mean, should, should UVA fans strive for consistent top 15 teams? Right. I just don't know what's realistic and I'm hard pressed to think that that is realistic. Yeah. I, I personally believe that it is fair to expect UVA to be at a level where they are contending for the coastal every November. Um, 
Okay. I, I think like I think eight wins a year is a reasonable expectation. Um, I I don't know that you meet it every year, but I think it's reasonable to go into a season every year, and you should be able to say, yeah, eight wins is within reach. If we get lucky, we can get to ten. Um, mm-hmm. so, stuff like that. I I don't like. I don't think the the whole like oh we made a bowl game like that's fun like more more teams go to bowls than don't so that that should that should not be the floor i think seven yeah. seven win territory should be the floor um and i but i don't think like ultimately if uva whatever uva's peak is i don't think that it is like constantly chasing 11 10 win seasons i think you might get a lightning in the bottle one year yeah. if you get a stud quarterback and the stars line up maybe you win 11 sure. um but yeah the eight favorable eight schedule nine, defense plays well things like that yeah, yeah. i mean that, no, eight to nine wins should be should not feel like a big uh would take a lot to get there at the beginning of a year in my opinion. Well, and it would be nice to be i mean i know that the games with virginia tech have been relatively competitive but it would be nice to be able to like not go into that game every year with a sense of doom like we yeah tend like we tend to and i know that can only happen one year at a time so you know it's not like it's all gonna happen at once but um i mean i'm just speaking honestly like that game sucks i just hate it yep. you know every year and it's you know and not taking advantage over the past couple of years has particularly sucked oh absolutely <laughs> so, yeah well i think um, this i think this year specifically was the one year where it felt like going in for me personally, it felt like okay, UVA's clearly got the better team. Defensive yeah. concerns aside, like the offense is good enough to. It appeared to be wins. bought in, yeah, right, yeah. So and and yeah, but that I mean that's a whole other thing. But yeah, expectations right. wise, I think the eight to nine win a year uh, should not feel foreign, and a nine win season should not feel like a. A cause for a celebration or a parade or anything so ultimately we're looking to be wake forest sure that'd be fine i'd love that yep i'm with you all right um all right let's hear let's hear some let's hear some names i mean if you got any wish list names you want to get out ideal situation realistic candidates i'm i'm all ears because like i said last time i was completely caught off guard by who uva hired and i think it ultimately was a good fit um yeah but at least for a while got a little stale there towards the end perhaps and um yeah i'm i'm, I'm just kind of i'm kind of interested what you, what you're who you would like to see <laughs> yeah no i think uh i think i i go into this a knowing that this is not a great time of the cycle to be joining the dance floor looking for a partner still ahead of miami still ahead of miami which is yeah good. still ahead of miami which is <laughs> you know something we'll mario cristobal i'm sure he's waiting on us he's yeah. waiting on that uva job if though. he wants to coach in the coastal i know where he can do it um <laughs> yeah i i have i don't really have any specific names for the big whistle i have seen uh anthony poindexter receive some online support uh initially i don't that know would be hilarious that would yeah that i like personally i'm kind of ignoring hopes for the head coach i'm kind of more focused on i would really 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 like to see marcus Higgins retained and yeah. paid some more and i would love 
Dex to be on the staff as a defensive coordinator. I don't know if I love him. Associate head coach slash defensive coordinator. Let's yeah. do it. Don't Why know not? if I love him as going from co-defensive coordinator at Penn State to all of a sudden being a first-time head coach. Um, yeah. And now, that's what Brent Pry's doing in Blacksburg, but he's also been an assistant for like 30 years. So uh, he's got a little sure. bit more experience soaking up uh, different things from different spots but uh learned all his game management from james franklin i think so yeah that's, so, that well. so get, buckle up pokey fans <laughs> it's gonna be a wild ride late in the fourth quarter um i like i mean some of the names that were involved in the virginia tech circle like a charles huff um are intriguing um i wonder like Take a swing at Matt Campbell, who who I mentioned last night. See see if he wants to improve his living situation, like right. And and I kind of joked about this in the text thread, but like Bronco resigning to me means there's no buyout involved, um, or at least it's yeah, or, or at least it's not going to be anything substantial. Like yeah, it should so be I can't that holds you I back. can't imagine we're going to be sifting through the bargain bin trying to find the head coach yeah. and the the uh, support staff, but um, yeah, would really like to see Hagen's stay on. And I'd really like to see Jason Beck given the opportunity to be the offensive coordinator. Um, but again, that's going to depend on who, who gets the hire as a head coach. If the head coach yeah, I mean, is I think from if a you're, spot if, where he's got yeah. a great OC, like by all means, let's, let's ride that train. Well, um, if you're Matt, like Matt Campbell comes in, I don't think Matt Campbell is signing up for air raid. He just doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. I also don't really think Matt Campbell would be a candidate just based on probably scope of pay that he would likely demand for sure. a relatively lateral like move on college football-wise. Now, living situation-wise, I, I got to think that you would prefer to live in Charlottesville and maybe play in the Coastal than like, the remnants of the Big 12 and, and, and you know continue to talk yourself into Iowa. But his name does also come up um in a lot of nfl rumors from time to time so who knows like right. he seems kind of like an enigma to me and i also i mean i don't know they were seven and five this year it's not like they were awesome and they you know i think they had a pretty good year they've had good consistency probably out sort of dan mullinish at mississippi state right outpacing mm -hmm. what they what their historical average is um and he's done a good job of you know elevating the floor there but i mean i don't really get blown away by like matt campbell team performances and yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that that can't happen but um to me there's like too many reasons for that not to happen for me to give that a whole lot of thought uh i would certainly welcome it because i think he would be a wonderful fit um i think like his uh organization boy scout attitude would be would go over great at uva yeah. so um but yeah i like you i've heard a lot of the same names um seen some defensive coordinator names like sort of bandied about maybe elko from texas a&m kind of weird but mm. uh um, I don't know. What about landing at Georgia? What's he? What's he up to? He's he's too too close to the beast. He thinks he's gonna get an SEC job. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, um, I don't know. I I kind of don't want a, a defensive guy. I I join you in that, but I wouldn't mind a guy that has been you know present to a big and successful program. Sure. Um, to just kind of and you know maybe Carla maybe Carla Williams still has some Georgia you know connections. She can. She can call upon. Who knows? Um, I wouldn't mind UVA staying air raid, though. I think that given like how they recruit and probably, I mean, realistically, how they're going to 
be recruiting going forward, at least in the short term, like makes a lot of sense to, yeah. to go to stay air raid. Well, it's um, certainly more, we talked about community engagement. It's certainly more fan friendly to play mm -hmm. games that score score points. We've said yes. this often. Correct. Especially if your defense is is not going to like Jimmy's and Joe's wise. I don't think your defense is just going to get a, take a big step forward too right. in the coming years. So, um, but yeah, uh, I mean, what about Bill O'Brien? Let's no, say it. No, thank you. I mean, I'm that that is. I feel like that would be worth a lot of walls in the chat uh, if that happened. I don't know that that would be the worst thing. Um, I also don't know that he would be like. I'm not even. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I just think Virginia's unique job. I, I don't know that he would be a great fit, especially yeah. if he maybe aspires to coach a Penn State level job again someday. Right. Right. Well, and that and, that's kind of another uh part of the wish list where I'm trying to like temper expectations yes. is like the ideal scenario is somebody does a Tony Bennett thing where they are kind of a rising name and they come and they stay here for a sustained amount of time and they sustain success. And you don't really have to sweat every single year when someone tries to come and poach them because you think like hey they've like they've taken a liking to this place and they seem really happy um like i at least want that illusion going in like hey this guy might stick around for 10 or 15 years if yeah. he does well like bill o'brien i have no confidence that he would like build something to last and that he would stick around sure. with it so that's that's kind of yes. why i'm out I'm with you on, on that. that prospect i mean that's to me that also rules out like well i don't know I, I hesitate to say this name, but someone like like Jim McElwain, similar mm -hmm. to Bill O'Brien, right? Like he's uh, probably a guy who is is looking to, you know, reestablish his career, get get it sort of on track, upward trajectory. Has done a good job in the MAC. Um, probably is ready to take a another mid level job, and then you know maybe get another crack at a, a big job again. And that's it's just weird how we recycle candidates like that. But I wouldn't be super in favor. Of that and also that would that would just be too triggering for me from a personal <laughs> yes. standpoint oh, yeah. well yeah and that like i i don't want the hire to be somebody who i look at and say oh they're like they're clearly using this as a pit yeah. stop i would prefer and again this might not be a realistic expectation but i would prefer to get somebody who is on the rise and they might be looking at it as i'm going to use this job right. to vault me somewhere else but I want to at least feel like we've got a fighting chance to like keep them around for maybe six, seven years. Maybe they maybe they figure out they they like the place a lot, and, right? And they don't want to jump to the SEC West and go six and six every year and yeah. sweat their. So job. you're telling me that's a that's a hard no on the Dan Mullen Dan Mullen rehab tour. Hard no on Dan Mullen. Hard no on Bill O'Brien. I would not hard no on Dan Mullen just because I think he would like he is the kind of fit that would help UVA be better. I just again I if he wants to stay as a college football coach, he's going to be ambitious enough to move on. He's not that old of a guy, um, yeah. and I I don't really I mean he's he's a real he's a real pain to deal with just on a day-to-day -day basis so yeah i don't think i don't think recruiting is going to you know jump but i sometimes do have thoughts of like oh man dan mullen with that with those weapons next year that that offense scores some score some points yeah <laughs> but, well and that's, that's uh, it wouldn't happen other, like yeah another thing we have to sweat now is like oh boy is like is brennan armstrong gonna hit the portal because he doesn't like what's going on like 
What you know, what, if he hit the, the portal, why wouldn't he just why wouldn't he just go to the draft? I mean, he would he would get drafted, wouldn't he? I don't know. I think he'll get drafted. No, I mean, no. if you're just gonna go play, I mean, what are you gonna go play Louisiana Tech for a year or like get drafted? Played Oklahoma fifth, fourth round. Who they hire. Oh, okay. I mean, if you can, yeah, good point. Or at USC, wherever Oklahoma, Caleb Williams What's Caleb Williams going to do? Okay. Hey, you might go to USC. <laughs> uh, Keaton Slovis is going to say no Slovis to that. Boy. <laughs> young Slovis boy. The, we we the could force. trade USC for Jackson Dart. How about that? There we go. Um, anyhow. All right. Well, I, I mean, I don't know what kind of names to put on this list either. Just, uh, you know, I, I do think, regrettably, we share a lot of the same sort of like non-sexy names that Virginia Tech's list had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's rightfully so. Not not bemoaning it. Not no shade to uh, to either program there, but it just kind of is what it is. Um, but yeah, to me, I would love to stay air raid because uh, that's interesting and he tends to be a good way to make up a bit of a talent discrepancy, um, at least on one side of the ball. And then yeah, I mean the defense was really bad this year, and yeah. I don't think it was completely for lack of dudes. Uh, there was certainly not a whole lot of top-notch talent, especially in the defensive backfield for UVA this year. Um, but I don't know. It appeared that they were not in, not even in position to really uh, be bad. So yeah, that's, so that, that's <laughs> to, to me. Why, that's that's kind of why I feel like the consternation about the defensive staff was more warranted mm-hmm. than like we we moaned a lot about Dr. Robert and I in years past. But I think the like I think the messaging we received was kind of always like, well, they're still like they're still getting their guys in and they're still figuring it out. And once like once the Jimmies and Joes meet the scheme, then it's gonna pop yeah. off. And it did this year. Productivity um, productivity was there. The yeah, I mean decision yeah. making from your play caller is a different different question. But. The the defensive side of the ball seems to have gone in the opposite direction though, where it's like they're they're tinkering with things to try and cover up shortcomings rather than like we're proactively going after something that we believe will be good um right so i like all in all i'm kind of excited like i'm excited to do coach search excited to get excited about whoever shows up next and and maybe get some fresh fresh new energy in the McHugh center um but yeah i think maybe more so than any specific head coach, uh, I would like to see Hagen's retained and paid what he is worth, and I'd like to see Dex as the defensive coordinator. Got it, got it. All right. Well, I think we've uh, I think we covered this up, but yeah, certainly was not expected. Um, odd timing, weird vibes, but that's uh, at the same time. That's. Pure pretty on, season, right? There. Pretty on, pretty on brand for uh, Men in Hall. So, shouts to Bronco. I think he did good work ultimately yeah. with the program. I think it has elevated the program. Um, but uh, yeah, and yeah. I don't, like. I don't want this to come off as like, oh, don't don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you. Like, I I enjoyed yeah. getting to know him and like really respect him for the way he seems to have gone about this decision making process. Um, Interesting, quirky dude, and and glad yes. our our paths have crossed. We've seen some really bad UVA football over our you know years. Yeah. You know? So this is I I harbor a no fresh air. Ill, Ill, Ill <laughs> towards him, and if he wants to come fly fish on Mossy Creek, he he can hit me up anytime. 
I'm talking dragger dropper, sinker popper setups. I'm talking all day. terrestrial season. I'm talking <laughs> chucking streamers. Uh, all right. Um, okay. Well, we'll uh, tag this on to the end of the podcast, but I hope you guys enjoyed. You know what it is. We're the wheel route. See ya.